Hello and welcome to another episode of Joe Blogs About Films. Thank you ever so much for clicking on this episode. It's another revisit episode. At the minute, I'm looking forward to seeing a vast amount of films that are coming out in the next few weeks. So stick around, say a like and follow the podcast and everything to hear my thoughts on upcoming films such as The Guilty, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Very excited to check that one out as well. I think it's arriving on Netflix at the end of this week. But also, I think it's in cinemas now as well. But by the by, I will be talking about that at some point. And of course, the big one at the end of the week, coming out on the 30th of September. And that is the brand new 007 James Bond, No Time to Die. Cannot wait for it. It's been a long time coming as that one. So that'll definitely be featured on the podcast. Again, like I say, like, follow, whatever the word is, I don't know. But keep up to date with the podcast. And if you are doing, you're an absolute superhero. Thank you very, very much. But right here on episode 24, I'm going to go back to a film that came out, uh, I think it was like March, May, t- whenever the cinema's kind of like reopened again properly. Um, I went and checked this film out. This was the first film on the first day we could go to the cinema in the UK. I was so excited for it. And that is another film in the Saw universe, the Saw franchise. It was Spiral from the Book of Saw, directed by Darren Lynn Boseman, who was famous for doing Saw 2, 3 and 4, written by Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger, who did Jigsaw, I believe that was. And of course, it stars Chris Rock, Samuel Jackson, Max Minghella, and uh, the fantastic Marisol Nichols, and as well as a ton of great cast members. But yeah, really going to focus on this. And like I, I think you may have noticed as well that the very first podcast I did was on this film. Um, but obviously it was a spoiler-free review, so I could only go into so much detail of the film. I couldn't really dive into twists or traps or anything like that. I mean, I could talk about traps, but I couldn't say too much about them. Um, obviously, I would never talk about the twist. I just said that there was a there's a certain part of the film that you kind of can guess who it is that's doing it. So basically all spoilers are on the table. So if you've still not seen it, I mean, it's going to say in the description for this episode, it's a spoiler, spoiler mad episode. So yeah, if you've not seen it and you don't want to know, don't listen to it. But if you've not seen it and you don't really care, sit on down, have a, have a listen, see if we can, uh, see if I can entice you into watching this film because like I mentioned, when this was announced, obviously there was a kind of like, as usual, the internet was a little bit confused. You know, Chris Rock starring in a in a Saw film, what's he trying to do, make a scary movie or, you know, like a scream or something, basically like a spoof of what the franchise was. Um, I personally wasn't really too concerned about that. I was more just excited that we were going to get something again in the Saw universe. And the fact that it wasn't called like Saw 9, it was simply Spiral from the Book of Saw instantly told us that yeah this is in the saw world but it's not a direct sequel to saw like everything that you've seen will have happened in the universe but you know this is something completely different this is someone new this is a different jigsaw killer or at least a jigsaw copycat killer so yeah expect the unexpected i mean i I say expect the unexpected but you're always going to get that same formula with a saw film you're going to get a lot of traps uh, a semi-decent story at most case, I guess. I, I think that, you know, the police drama aspect of it is what drives this film in particular massively more so than maybe some of the other ones. I mean, I know that a lot of the Saw films centred around, you know, the police trying to catch and stop the traps, but also catch the persons that are carrying that on in, in, in John Kramer's name or if it was John Kramer in the first instance. Um, so this was definitely going to be very, very different. This was very, very, like cop central if you will like investigations a lot of you know going over just it just was like like chris rock says he wanted to make a film of like 48 hours that meets the film seven both films of those are fantastic say 48 hours is a fantastic film i actually watched that during my university days uh loved that film and i completely get what he says about the whole seven aspect of it as well saw one the original one you know when that came out directed by james one and lee one l 
they were saying, or at least critics were saying that seven was one thing. Saw took it up to eight. So it's like seven's already kind of been linked with Saw at least one one time or another. And to have Chris Rock say that's what he wants to make from this film is you know a, a seven meeting forty hours. I think it just sums it up perfectly because this isn't like a laugh out loud comedy, if you will. It's like it's, it really isn't. It's it's not. There are humorous moments in there which is something when we as audience members have never seen before in a saw film um you know brings a whole new dimension a whole new dynamic to the to the franchise and something that was definitely definitely needed i love how chris rock says that you know if you you know you love the film heat and if you took eddie murphy out uh, so if you took al pacino out sorry and put eddie murphy in it'd still work and i think that's to, to go in and, and to, to say that straight up like i think yeah that you can already tell that Chris Rock was definitely, definitely invested in making something completely different, something new. And just like I say, he watched Saw, he was watching Saw 2, watching the Saw films, and he was saying, like, I could play, you know, Donnie Wahlberg's character, Detective Matthews. I would do it, you know, with a little bit more comedy, this, that, and the other. And hearing, you know, hearing the interviews he, he did, you know, promoting the film or post-film, if you will, to then watching it and seeing it, you're like, he nails it. And I've said this from the get-go when I saw the film, I thought, you know, in terms of casting, absolutely fantastic like Chris Rock you know I've never really seen him in too much too serious things anyways I, I loved him in well most of the films I have seen him in I just wouldn't expect him to see him in a Saw film as I'm, <laughs> as I'm sure that many people as well who are big fans of the Saw franchise um would never expect to be like oh yeah Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson as well I mean let's just you know talk about the cast for a second here this is like the biggest cast that a Saw film will ever probably see. I, I mean, we'll talk maybe about potential sequels, and I'd love to think that they will carry this on and and continue the spin-off. Um, but the cast for this is just extraordinary. Like, saying those names, Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Rock in a Saw film, sounds so unnatural. It feels unnatural as well, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I genuinely would never have thought I'd be saying, oh, yeah, those two are going to be in a Saw film. Um, and, and, you know, padding the rest of the cast out, you've got Max Minghella. You know, I, I, I like Max Minghella. I think he's a great actor it's just a shame that I think one of the films because when I saw him in the trailer I was like what have I seen him in and then when I realised it was The Darkest Hour uh, just uh, that's a film that just needs to be blanked from everyone's it just needs to be wiped from the face of existence if I'm being honest uh, Marisol Nichols as well who plays Captain Angie Garza really great really strong character in this it's really nice having that that character that you know Chris Rock's Detective Zeke Banks obviously has to report back to there's obviously that dynamic of relationship there because not only has Marisol Nichols' character got that dynamic with Chris Rock, but she's had a, a long-lasting career and, and not not personal relationship, but a working relationship with Chris Rock, Detective Zeke Banks's father, who is portrayed by Samuel L. Jackson. So to like have those moments between them where Chris Rock is saying things like, "Don't make this all about my dad," this and the other, you know, it's believable because she's been there. She's she's seen all of it. Like she's been there with Samuel L. Jackson, which obviously his character's got more a bigger part to play in this film. Um, then, then probably that then meets the eye, if you will. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of dynamics and a lot of things that story threads that lead to the, the to the big grand conclusion of this film. And we will talk about that, of course, because that's what we're here for. We're revisiting it. You know, we want to make sure that uh, yeah, we we cover all all grounds for this film. But I think the place to start would be at the beginning, at least going over how this film became what it is and, and how Chris Rock and Lionsgate teamed up to create Spiral from the Book of Saw. And essentially it all comes down to the fact that the vice chairman of Lionsgate met Chris Rock at a wedding. Um, and Chris Rock obviously ex expressed his huge love for the Saw franchise. Like Chris Rock knows his stuff. That's like, need to exp need to get that out straight away that Chris Rock knows his franchise like the back of his hand. And and, and that for me is what kind of seals it as, as to be like as a creative 
creative outlet and a creative look of this is that this isn't like a vanity project for Chris Rock. This wasn't like a, hey, nice to meet you. I'm a big fan of your films. I want to make one and it's all about me. This isn't about that at all. I think the collaboration between everyone involved in this film, you know, the writers, uh, Darren Lynn Bosman as the director and, and, and producers, etc., and then Chris Rock, um, they really wanted to make something that was completely different, something that we as fans would like to see. Um, and also a film that would stand up to the other other Saw films, but also other horror thriller films like Seven. Um, so Chris Rock obviously expressed at a wedding that he was a big fan of the Saw franchise, but he just wanted to just, just think every now and then, like maybe a sprinkle of humour would have done the trick. Um, you know, like I've already said, that's what he exactly wanted to do. And that's what we got because this film, when you look at it from like a narrative, it's like, it is straight up. It's a horror. It's a horror thriller. It's you know. It's it's that at times can be psychological. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that are in this film where you're like ah, or like you know too much to look at in the sense. But you know the mind games as well that are played with Chris Rock's character Zeke Banks from the from the Jigsaw Killer. Um, you know it's it's brilliant. Like it's it's really really good. But also by adding the humor in, it almost makes it more real. Like at times there are situations and circumstances where you may have seen in the previous Saw films when you're like, I don't know how they're not reacting in this way or that way. You know what I mean? Like I think that Chris Rock is the most real character that's been in a Saw film, which probably might be a big statement because there have been some excellent portrayals. I think that in terms of a detective anyways, he probably could be, yeah, easily the most real. I think that we haven't really had real, and I'm air quoting this, real Saw characters since the first one. You know, Carrie Elwes portraying Dr. Lawrence Gordon, you felt his, you know, whole arc in that film. He started off as the more, the more calm person in the trap, and then he finished by, well, going absolutely berserk, losing his mind over his family, and in the end, hacking his own foot off. I think that that is such a great character arc that, like I say, I, I don't think we've had much of a, a real Saw character until we've reached Spiral, because the themes in this film, they're huge, and they're, there's a running social commentary in this film, which, again, I will be talking about because, well, talk, like I said, we will talk about it all, but that is that is what this is. This is essentially, this film centres on, you know, police officers, cops in America, um, over-using and abusing their power to, I don't know, like cross that line of what is right and what is wrong. And more, more times, and, and we do see on, you know, a day-to-day -day basis, and I'm not saying that all that is the case with every single officer, but we've seen it quite a lot where these lines have been overstepped and things have happened when they shouldn't have happened. And especially when it comes to race as well, which again, there's that commentary in this as well. It's kind of like that line's not even a thing anymore, like when it comes to some police officers. So I think that by taking that and putting it in a Saw film and making that entire premise, you know, this this jigsaw killer who is like, well, I've had enough now. I think that these people should be, you know, held accountable for what they've done. And at times they should essentially be, you know, take well wiped out, if you will, or at least a message sent to the rest of the police to say, well, if you if if people abuse their powers, this is what can happen. Like someone will stand up to you, someone will take it to the extreme, and you will pay the price for what you've done. And that again is something I absolutely love about this film. I think that it's not anywhere in any way over the top or even spoon fed. You know, in that some some films you watch when they have a social commentary and you're like, oh wow, okay, they're really going with it. Like this, like I said, I've said numerous times already, this is still a saw film. So you're gonna get your traps, you're gonna get your twists, but by taking that and using it for something else, like you know, in the original Saw films, it was people that were just, you know unworthy of the bodies they possessed of the lives they've been given to quote john kramer word for word there um you know th these were people that were you know not thankful for the gift of life and 
you can still argue with that again for this film. You know, people like these police officers, they're not fulfilling their purpose in life. They, they've got a purpose, but they're not fulfilling that by bending the rules, breaking those rules. And, and, and that's what this jigsaw killer is like, no, 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 none of that. Like this is what this, and, and he has motives as well, or they have motives as well, because like I said, we're going to, we're going to talk about who it was and why. Um, but you know, like, like I said, we could go over this as, as much as I am, but I want to really dive into to the actual film itself. And we can't not talk about the traps because the traps in this for me have got some of my favorite ones. And, you know, going on the back of like what we had in Jigsaw, I think that Jigsaw, that that film just sorry very quickly going back to jigsaw before i do dive into these spiral traps like as a sequel goes i think it had been something like yeah seven years i think it was since we had the final chapter like air quoting again the final saw chapter and then we got jigsaw which i was looking forward to but weirdly enough i could go, already tell from the trailer that i was like a little bit like oh okay so it is like i knew the saw would come back like let's let's be honest saw the final chapter we knew it was just going to be a final chapter for about a few years and then they would bring it back and they did so obviously the last they did surprise <laughs> but with jigsaw when the trailers came out i already kind of felt that i was going to be underwhelmed with it because it looked different uh the way they shot it and then spiral is done differently as well but jigsaw looked like they jigsaw was for me like a mess in creation because it was like we want to do something different but at the same time we don't want to alienate the diehard fans and so we have to kind of cater to that as well Something that Spiral does, like, yes, they they want to make sure the fans are happy, but they are not too worried about, like, creative decisions, it seems. Like, they were like, let's just do what we let's just make a, let's make the film that we want to make and we'll and it's and just you know go from there i think that i don't know like maybe the risk they took in jigsaw may have allowed them to kind of branch out a bit more in spiral because a lot of the stuff in spiral is filmed in the day like uh, as as a, as a as a viewer as an audience as a fan of the franchise it's something we don't really see because saw is like a gritty there's a lot of green and saw like the color use there and 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 the set setup and everything's green and dark and it's all you know at night whereas spiral is shot a lot i would say 80 percent of spiral is in the day and it's you know it's you know we are focusing on those police investigation side of things and the traps themselves although they may happen some may happen at night the the aftermath is always in the day when they find the body or they find the the, the next clues this that and the other so a lot of it's shot in the day which was something i absolutely loved about this and something i didn't really realize until i watched the film again when i was like hang on a minute like <laughs> it is primarily just a, a, a day shot loved it but with with jigsaw i felt that they were like kind of i don't know they wanted to to almost try and break away from john kramer um but then brought it back like it was really strange because i love the cameo from tobin bell and tobin bell is a genius tobin bell is a master at this he's one of the to go from a dead guy laying on the floor all of saw one to then eventually becoming this iconic horror staple if you will i just think is amazing uh just what a, what an absolute fantastic and complex character um interestingly enough uh, jigsaw 2 was being penned when they were right before spiral came to play and uh jigsaw 2 was going to focus on an origin story for john kramer which i'm like what <laughs> did we get all of that already like this many sequels that we got from saw we saw john kramer get diagnosed with cancer and alas we saw him transition into jigsaw We've seen it all, so I don't really know what they were going to do to even focus a, a film solely on John Kramer and his origin. It just seems a little bit silly, and I'm really glad that Chris Rock was then kind of able to just completely stop that. And they said it stopped because Chris Rock was like, "I want. We should do a Saw film together." And then they, they had this idea, and then they went for it. 
I just, again, one more reason to love Chris Rock for this film because, yeah, if we got another Jigsaw, I really, I don't know, like, I just think that we'd have, this Saw franchise would have just, they wouldn't be making many more anyways. It'd have been like, right, this is it now. But anyway, sorry again for going off. I'm a big fan of the Saw franchise, would you believe? Uh, we're going to jump back to Spiral, though, of course, because that's what we're revisiting today. And let's talk about the traps. Now, the traps in this film, like, I think I may have mentioned earlier that I... I love them. I think they're very, very good. Um, very imaginative, very real as well. Like the one of the things that I love about the Saw franchise, as well as you know when they create their traps, is that they are like pretty much all made there and then. There's no like you know it's all practical effects. It's not visual. It's not visual effects. I mean, yes, they may finish up a few things. And given that Spiral from the Book of Saw has got like the most, I think the was the biggest and I think most money in involved with the Saw film. Um, you know, they were able to do a little bit more with the visual effects and such, you know, by finishing off little traps. But the the, the main thing is that the the actual structure and the and the chunk of what you see in the traps, they're all they're all pretty much so they could kill you basically if they really wanted to. And it's quite extraordinary that like, yeah, the, these films get, you know, all this money and these creative geniuses behind it all about how can we um how can we like torture a person? <laughs> uh, and spiral is no different. Spiral has got, like I say, a great motive behind this jigsaw killer who is just pretty much like, let's just let's just get rid of all the bad cops. It's not worth it. Like, just we'll just get rid of them. So the first trap that we encounter is the tongue trap, which is the very start of the film, and uh, again, one of my favourites. The trap there is for Detective Boz or Boswick, who is portrayed by Dan Petronajevic. And I think I'm pronouncing that right. I could be wrong. If he's listening, Dan, I'm really sorry, mate. Um, but this trap is essentially designed uh, for this detective who has taken the stand and has lied under oath under numerous occasions. Uh, and therefore, in order to, well, you know, redeem himself or to at least show his worthy, he's now got to remove his tongue from his body, um, which is held in place by these kind of like metal bars that are attached to the ceiling. He's on a little stepladder. And essentially, if he just lets himself drop, his tongue will then rip out. Um, this trap is is honestly, there's, this is on one of the bonus features of of, of Darren Lynn Boseman breaking down the trap. Um, this one and the finger trap, which we're going to come to in a second. So this trap, as I say, is is you know the first one that you see, and they and it's and it's it just straight away brings you back into Saw. Like if there's one thing that Saw always does, it always starts with like a trap. At least this, obviously the first one doesn't, but every Saw since usually does that. It's straight away, it's a trap on what, you know, what, what we're going to, what they're going to do, what, what we're going to see as an audience member. And what I liked about this is that just before the trap, we see how Boz ends up in this trap, which is very rare. I mean, some, yes, you will see the main protagonists in previous Saw films get caught and put in traps and such. Whereas, because this is a little bit different and it's a jigsaw copycat, I like that the actual, the full story of this isn't, you know, this, this spiral film isn't like the other Saw films when it's one main character who is having to go around different rooms and see different people in different traps and decide whether they live or, you know, stuff like that that we've seen like in Saw 3, Saw 4 as well, that was, you know, Detective Rig who was walking around again different rooms and deciding whether these people should be allowed to be saved or not. Uh, Saw 5 as well, I think that was kind of, well, actually no, Saw 5 went back to people being in traps, but there was these moments or these earlier Saw films when it was just like one character who was like kind of walking around different rooms and just seeing people in traps. And so, like, 
with this moment in the film, the start, we're at you know some kind of July Fourth festival. It's very different straight away. It's got fireworks going off. You've got a crowd of people. You know, there's, there were there was a little moment when I was watching it again. I could see that that natural that classic sorry green coloring of what saws are like just this little green. Yeah, lighted effect in in one corner of the screen, but straight away you're you're watching it and you're like, this is not usually what I would expect from Saw. Usually we're like, boof, we're into it, like it's a trap, and it's usually a bit gnarly. Um, and yes, this trap is gnarly. It's someone removing their tongue, of course. But just before we get to that, you know, we see, you know, Boz, the detective. He sees someone get the purse stolen. He chases after them. They go down a sewer, and straight away at that moment, you've already spoke about like Chris Rock talk about jokes. And granted, the writers wouldn't have wrote jokes for for him. Like they said, they were kind of steering away from Chris Rock and and writing jokes. They wanted to write this. You know, there was an agreement. That Chris Rock was like, "You write your saw film. I'll sort out the jokes." And uh, speaking of jokes, there is an absolute belter or like. One of my favourite segments of him just cracking jokes is when we first meet Chris Rock's character. He's on like an undercover mission, and he's just talking about Forrest Gump, and it's just genius. It's like it's like almost like a skit you're expecting, like his stand-up routine, you know. And, and it works really well. But I also like the fact that even though Chris Rock was like, "I'll write my jokes," such there's no like hesitation or whatever of bringing other jokes in as well. Like, you know, the detective boss he sees that that this this gentleman that he's chasing after has gone down into the into like the subway tunnel, like almost, and it's like, and his reaction is, "You did not just go down there." And it's, and it's straight away that kind of like realism in the sense of. If you were there chasing after someone who went down that, you'd be like, "Oh, for God's sake! Like I've got to now follow them down here. I don't really, I don't really want to." It also kind of like his outfit and everything reminds me of like a classic like eighties film. Like it's like a pink and white salmony kind of suit, and he's wearing a wearing like a hat as well. It's very like I don't know, like Lethal Weapon esque, if you will. I could be completely missing that, but I, I really like the costume design for this character because it's again vibrant, bright colours, which is not something that we're used to in Saw. It's just usually greens, grey. You know what I mean? Like an the whole idea of being at the July 4th fireworks, you know, different colours everywhere. So that in itself, you know, the colour palette is completely different. And, and the, the filming as well, the, the cinematography of it, you know, it is straight up like completely something new. It's kind of like what they did with Jigsaw, but on a grander scale, on a better scale. This is, like I say, a much better film. It's one of those things as well where it's like... I really wanted the, this is like the sequel story that I was expecting Saw to be or like the other Saws or at least anything like Jigsaw past the first seven films should be so this is why I'm like really really behind this this creative decision so we'll get back to the trap anyways we're like greeted in this subway which uh, interestingly enough was done with a lot of false perspectives um, you know, they they originally wanted this trap to be a much grander opening to the film. I mean, it's pretty grand in its in its own right. But Darren Limbosman explained that he wanted it to be in an actual subway tunnel rather than a set. But obviously, due to costs and due to safety as well, you know, they had to you know end up you know going back to the drawing board and just was like, well, we'll just build a set then. And and they built a subway tunnel which they used. I think they only did so much of it. They they they, they only built so much of it, and then would like if there was any shots in front of the guy, it was you know they they just put the camera. To face forwards and then if it was behind him they'd turn him round in a stool and so they could use like the, 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 the same tunnel that you were looking at but from the behind and I love that kind of stuff and you know like just this whole practical work with it really to make this to make this like a, a very very good and different opening to saw to spiral even because you know this is something like I say they're, they're, they're on a subway tunnel and it's the, the aim of the game is simply remove your tongue or be hit by a train and die and it's one of those, it's literally one of those traps when you see it and you're like, what would you do in this situation? Because it's 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 bloody awful. Like, it's literally like you lose your tongue 
or get hit by. I, I really, I, I honestly sometimes think when I watch these traps in Saw, uh, I'm just a bit like, I think I just fold my arms and just let it happen. Like, just be like, ah, I'm done. This is it. I, there's nothing, nothing's going to happen. Well, something will happen, but I ain't going to be doing anything about it, kind of thing. What's the point? Um, but the whole trap says practical effects. They used a fake tongue on this as well. Like, I think that the, the actor. Um, he was obviously on the stool and, and held up and suspensed up, but he the tongue was already in the the two metal bars that it's nailed in, and he would just bite onto that so it would like look like it was part of his tongue. Um, great, great work with that. I think it, it, it's really it's the shots. I mean, I've already mentioned there's a few shots, or most of the cinematography. Sorry, is completely different to what we've seen in Saw films. But also there are the classic ones, and Darren Lynn Bosman as well is very famous, known for those very fast bursts. I spoke about this on my first podcast for Spiral. These fast bursts of like it's all like sped up, like it's just like absolutely like kind of in a way putting you in the heads and the mindset of that 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 character, that person that's woke up and found himself in a trap like this, where he's like going out of his mind a little bit. Like what what do I do? Like you know, just this this person who's suspended. Like I say, there's other other traps that he's been in, but you know, in this instance, it's a gentleman that's got his tongue in a, in a in two bars that's but you know bolted in, and he has to like remove it kind of thing. You know, the the camera angle, there's the the, the quick sharp. Um, like sharp bursts of uh, sped up images, if you will, which some people liked that was back, and some people I saw online didn't like that they brought that back. I don't. Some people just didn't really like that camera situation, anyways, because it was like um, took you a little bit away from the trap. I don't know, like, because I think that in a way it's it's a good way of making sure you get those shots in, because obviously as you can imagine these films have got to go through the ratings, and they've got to make sure they can be made into well, be allowed onto screen, and a lot of these traps are in, in, in more Saw films, but particularly in Spiral, have, you know, they had to remove a lot of the footage just so that it could be a uh, yeah, that it could be allowed onto uh, onto screen. Um, but anywho, the trap itself, brilliant trap. I love the tongue trap. Uh, obviously, a boss doesn't make it. He eventually, uh, the last minute, does remove the stool and he falls and the tongue comes out with a little bit of throat as well, but he gets hit by the train. Anywho, uh, from what I understand as well, Downing Bossman explained that they were actually going to include more throat attached to this tongue after it had, like, you know, removed because they had, like, a big prosthetic head and everything. So, uh, but that had to get cut out of the film because it just wouldn't wouldn't make the approval, if you will. So that's the first trap that we see in respect of that particular, uh, that particular detective. The second trap that we get is the finger trap. Now, I, again, this... As much as I like the tongue trap, this finger trap is up there with like in my top five saw traps favorites. If I, if if that's a list of anyone's, so in my top saw traps, this is up there like straight away. You know, you've got this. It's, there's there's a combination of different things going on in this trap. You know, this this you know revolves um, basically around a detective. I'm just trying to find the uh, it's Fitch, Detective Fitch. He is portrayed by Richard Zepieri, and his, uh, you know, crime, if you will, was that he shot someone down in cold blood uh, for simply. Put, he pulled this gentleman over. He said, "I need to see your hands." The guy behind the wheel like puts his middle finger up at him, and he just pulls his gun out and just shoots him. Like we we get we get to see this as well because as the as the jigsaw killer explains, this is why you're in this trap. We do see the footage unfold, and you're like, "Yeah, rightly so." Like you now you've got to remove your fingers because you were too trigger happy. You know, you let your finger slip too soon. Well, not even slip. You know what you did. You shot someone. You know, in cold blood, purely because. 
they middle fingered you kind of thing. Uh, so this gentleman is in a, a bathtub, if you will, that's got an electric wire hanging. The water is rising slowly. All he has to do is bite down on this device that's attached to his head, which is then linked to a mechanic mechanical device sorry, that's attached to his fingers, and it will slowly pull him forward, and there's a bar in the way, and once he reaches the bar, he won't go any further. But, of course, his fingers will, and that's it. And, it's it's again, it's the... This one, for me, is quite psychological because it's that, like, there's a moment in this when he, he obviously bites down and the fingers you know we go forward and you know we see the first finger remove like it rips and there's a shot of like the skin ripping and, and the finger coming off and you're just like oh my god like it's like when he has a he like stops to like let out this awful and painful scream um like as a breather if you will it's also a breather for the audience because i'm having to like process like what is actually going on and you're seeing this gentleman just like have this realization of i have got to do this otherwise i'm going to get electrocuted and i'm going to die um and so he bites down and, and it goes on but unfortunately even though he does like a lot of his fingers do get removed and it's so gnarly the bones ripping off and the noises that it makes and such it's just that yeah like it, it's it's no good basically he doesn't do it in enough time and therefore the water fills up to the to the wire and he gets electrocuted and he dies um and that's that like i say it's the, the, you'll see a theme here is that these saw traps the majority of them in this spiral film are so simple but they're the most effective because they're the ones that you go away with and you're like, that's a, it's like, it's all, I mean, it's a different ballgame, I guess. But it's, you know, you think about the traps like the eye one from Saw 2 where the gentleman wakes up and he's got, you know, the, the, the death mask on with the nails and all, you know, I say all he has to do, but he's got to remove his eye to get the key. It's those ones that play psychologically when you think to yourself, could I do this? And like, maybe the finger trap to me is more so of that because even though with the tongue one, yes, it's doable, but... At the same time, you're like, is it? Because if you saw what happened, his tongue fell. He, he ripped his tongue out, but his throat came out as well. So death instantly. Whereas the finger trap, this is one that is winnable. Like, it is achievable. You just got to remove your fingers. And it's like, grim. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really like the, the, the... It's weird saying that. The finger trap, though, very clever design. And that's another thing that I really like about these Saw films is that they're so, like, this spiral film is so grounded with the traps. Like, we'll talk about obviously the person that's doing it in a little while who's behind it all, but you can see that this this chap is, like, he's not an engineer or anything, but he's just just imaginative when it comes to stuff like in and he'll put together what he can with with what he's got so again we'll, we'll cross that in a second uh the next trap is 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 going to be revolving around marisol nichols uh, captain angie garza her her role basically essentially does come out a little bit later on but the reason why she's there is because she's essentially allowed a lot of corruption to go on uh which is you know a bit bit vague when i say that but basically all the cop corruption in that department she's the captain at the end of the day she's the one that's allowing it so she's got to pay the price as well and her trap is a little bit it's probably the weakest of the bunch i will say i think it's a little bit dull she's just lit well it's, it's not dull it's just you know she's laying the table and she's got the choice of either severing her spinal cord on like a box cutter um or she can just lay there and let hot wax drip on her face and melt it and kill her, basically. And to, to stop that from happening, she has to do that. You know, she's got to sever her spinal cord, which is awful. And this is weirdly one of those traps that I still... I was watching it the other day and I was, like, kind of covering my eyes a bit because I don't know about what, what it is about this trap that I just really just can't... It's like anything... I don't know. Like, it's just... It's harsh, you know what I mean? Um, so she doesn't make it, alas. She doesn't make it. And that's all I can really say on that one. She... 
dies from that like hot wax. Um, there's a there's another trap that is revolving around uh, another detective who was originally Detective Zeke, played by Chris Rock, his partner. And he's the partner that essentially ruined Chris Rock's career in the film in terms of Zeke Banks's career. He ratted out this, this this detective who was a dirty cop who'd killed an innocent person. And that had obviously let Chris Rock, like that whole you know Chris Rock story arc in this film, you know, all the people in his precincts and the departments, they hate Chris Rock for what he did those years ago of writing out this cop because, you know, a cop's supposed to stick together, we're not supposed to do this kind of thing. But at the end of the day, Chris Rock is one of the very few good character, good cops in this film you know he is you know standing by that badge he does the things the right way and it's you know this is why it's his game in a way because he's surrounded by all these dirty cops and they're all getting picked off and there's a there's there are points where maybe like there there was never a point in the film when i was like it's it's not chris rock that's doing it like it's not he's not the jigsaw killer but if they'd have thrown that curveball you'd have been like i didn't see that coming i was kind of thinking yeah you're gonna go somewhere else with it and you could argue it probably would be him but you wouldn't have seen necessarily you wouldn't have thought that they've gone down that route and i'm glad that they didn't because that's not the purpose of this like it would kind of go against Chris Rock as a character Zeke Banks if he was to be turned out and, and be the jigsaw killer it wouldn't have worked you'd have been like hang on a minute how can you be a good cop if you're doing this now like just for pure revenge that's not really the motive of John Kramer but by the by it doesn't turn out to be like that you don't have to worry about it but the gentleman that did kill the innocent person that Chris Rock ratted out he's strung up and there's just a lot of glass thrown at him like he's in a recycle Chris Rock's given the choice whether he can um, save him or just let him stand there and die and even though Chris Rock does try and let him out of it it's it's to you know no effect you know the glass that's shattered and been thrown at him through this machine is just it just kills him and um and yeah, that's that's that trap, really. The glass trap, if you will. I don't really know what else to call that. Um, there is one more trap, but that kind of comes to the end of the film and the reveal and such, which we're going to talk about pretty much now, in fairness. I want to jump to the actual Jigsaw Killer, so I'm going to leave the last trap because it, it's going to be discussed anyways when, when it comes to you know why and how the, you know, the Jigsaw Killer is doing what he's doing. I just want to give a very quick nod as well that I absolutely love the fact that we did get an actual hacksaw in this film. Um, I don't expect all the Saw films to do it. You know, we got a couple, we got, we saw, you know, the bathroom in, you know, numerous Saw films since the first one, which I always loved. I loved it when they did that in Saw films, when they go back to that bathroom and they'd be like, you know, the foot was just kind of, you know, deteriorating over time or like the amount of bodies that were in there were just piling up, but at the same time, like, you know, also deteriorating. You know, the Saw, I think the Saw 2, uh, you know, when they when they go back to the bathroom, and that's my favourite sequence when they return to the bathroom and Saw 3 does follow on from that and we do get more like, you know, links to the whole removing of foots and such, but... I just really liked in this that we have a moment, which you'll have seen in the teaser trailer where Chris Rock, you know, he, he wakes up from being caught and he's got his hand handcuffed to a pipe and there's a hacksaw next to him. And it's that like, you get that classic saw theme, the this like weird, like, it's almost like a shriek. It's like a very, it's like a slow, like in terms of violins, it's almost like very slow and like, it just, it just sound, it does sound like someone screaming in a way. Um, but I like that. Nothing comes of it. I just think it's a very nice kind of little nod to the original front, the original film, the original franchise. And yeah, it just reminds you what film, you know, you're watching in, in a way. So the actual jigsaw killer itself in this, the jigsaw copycat, turns out to be Max Minghella's detective William Shank. Now, I do understand that there can be a lot of scrutiny around this because it's it's almost like unbelievable in a way. And, and I think the film as well tries to 
you know, touch over that as well. The fact that Detective William Schenk is a brand new character to the precinct, if you will. He's just been assigned by Marcel Nichols to be Detective Zeke Banks' his, um, his partner because he doesn't play well with other Zeke Banks. He's a bit of a loner because of what he's done. Like he ratted out a cop and therefore no one wants to do anything with him. No one wants to work with him or even they don't trust him in a way. I think, well, it's not so much trust. There's like, there's no trust, but there's also like no respect. There's a lot of hatred towards him. And so Max Minghella is this like up and coming cop who's just joined. And there is that great relationship between the two. There's, you know, we talk about the humor in this film and I've already spoke about the fact that Chris Rock said, that, you know, you just a sprinkle of humor. We don't need anything like full on gags or anything. Like we're not going to be doing ha-has and saw traps, but just a sprinkle of humor. And we get that between these two because we get just a great like relationship and dynamic already in the first instance, you know, where Max Minghella goes shake his hand and Chris Rock just kind of like completely ignores him and leaves the room, but also their discussions and, and topics of conversation about like relationships and the fact that, you know, Max Minghella's character is explaining that he's got a wife and kids and Chris Rock's like, well, enjoy it while it lasts because it's not going to go on forever because they, you know, these, these situations, you know, we're in a job where it's the most, you know, most negative impact on your personal life. And so there are all these like great, you know, little jokes there here and there and, and you know Max Minghella, you can the, you can already sense that there's that they, that he does have respect for Chris Rock, which obviously turns out that you know it's because essentially the guy that Chris Rock's former partner gunned down before he was ratted out turned out to be Max Minghella's obviously William Shanks character's father, and so he's seen firsthand these moments of like cop corruptions. And he's like now thinking, well, I'm going to go into that precinct. I'm going to take, you know, take it, take it down bit by bit. Remove the people that are causing the most trouble, and then I'll, you know, evolve that onto a grander scale. And I love the quote that he says about the spiral to Chris Rock when he, you know, reveals that he's the person that's been doing it all, saying that John Kramer was right. You know, the spiral. It's a change. You know, it's a, it's a, a meaning of like change, evolution, growth, progress. Whatever he says, is that and the other. I'm kind of like going off on a quote there, but still, you know, he says that, and he's like, you know, we take a here you know fingers here this that and the other and eventually people in you know the police departments will fall back in line again because these people are running riot and it, you know it all boils down to the fact that the people the, the police are allowed to do what they're doing because samuel jackson's character marcus banks was allowing it he was the chief he was the captain he was allowing these cops to go out and do these things because the citizens were dying he's like well we need to get dirty we need to fight fire with fire and think that it's it's interesting it's a great dynamic and i think that you know the motives behind william shank's role in this it's got purpose it's got a believable motive there you're thinking well it's really strange to be sat there thinking well i kind of like side with this guy i mean in in respect you kind of side in with jigsaw anyways tobin bell's jigsaw in the earlier sort of films when you've got these people that aren't appreciating and fulfilling their life's purpose you're like well, yeah, you need to earn it then. You know, there's other people, there's people out there that are in such dire situations. Why aren't you fulfilling your life? And, you know, that's, I think that's why Saw became such a big, you know, kind of franchise because people could relate to that. Whereas Spiral is even much more relatable because we see it time and time again. I've already said earlier in this episode that police officers go out, you know, on a regular basis abusing that power. There's so many cases, and especially like I've already mentioned about race as well, which we're going to come to in a very second because, you know, there's this aspect here that the, the final trap that samuel jackson's kind of hooked and he's got these he's got his blood pumping out of uh, he's got all these blood so going into jars and such and you know he gives max mcgilla gives detective zeke the choice of saving him or killing zeke uh, gives zeke banks a choice of saving his dad or killing the jigsaw killer himself um it all transpires and it goes the way that he was planning it to do which i think again is a nice little nod to the original saw films because jigsaw even says to mark hoffman at one point that if you can kind of like 
understand and, and, and guess what the human mind is going to do. It leaves nothing to chance. And it's almost like Max Minghella, Detective William Schenk, his character knew that Zeke would always save his dad. Therefore, it allowed this final trap. And this is the, you know, William Schenk's putting put into motion the fact he's rang the police and said, look, there's, there's, a, there's a crazy guy with a gun. Come help. The SWAT turn up. They burst into the room, which sets off another trap. And essentially, Samuel Jackson's kind of hanging there like a puppet. And these guns come out of his hands. Obviously, the, 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 he's not holding them and not pulling them. They're literally attached to his hands. The lighting's done so that they can't really see him properly. And it's that classic case of just police just open firing without even a second thought. And it's it's awful because, you you know, the, these stories happen. These stories happen on a, on a day-to-day basis. It's, you know, like, like William Schenk says in the film, shoot first and ask questions later. And it's that social commentary, which I find so fascinating that this, you know, we've had these kind of films before and and before the massive movement last year and such, that this film was already penned, waiting to go, that it was so ahead of that. And, and, And rightly so, because it needs to be addressed and for sort of take that social commentary and make it you know in 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 such an impactful way because that final shot of like max Minghella's william shank getting away and and zeke watching his dad get shot to bits basically in front of him and then realizing that he's lost I, 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 it just has me there thinking like we need a sequel like we definitely do and 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 i love what they did with this spiral film because i just I think it was just a very, very like, well, it was, you know, it was, it was a bit of a risk. Like it was a risk because not only have you got, it's not technically Saw 9, but you've got this whole new cast, this whole new writers behind it as well. And Chris Rock as well coming into it. It's always going to add a little bit of scrutiny because, you know, you've got comedy guy doing horror. Is that, you know, is, is that going to work? And, and by, by gosh, does it work? Because I think that everything about this film and everything that it kind of stands for, the social commentary about, you know, race, but also, you know, the the the, the police as well, and how that comes together as one, um, massively important to this day. And I think that this is a film that will stand the test of time because of that. And just because as well, it's a very well-scripted film. I think that the only issue I have, as I say, as, a, as a, an actual story base, is that Max Minghella, William Schenk's character, gets, like, killed off, well, allegedly killed off halfway through the film, uh, but we don't see his trap. And that's why I was like, it's him. Because we just find this skinned body. They claim it's William Shank's body. And then that's it. And there's a tape there, this, that, and the other. And it just didn't flow right. Like, the, the I guess I get it from a creative point because they made things differently. Like, with the finger trap, we saw him wake up in the trap. And then it kind of cuts away to something else and then brings us back to the trap eventually to see what happens. So I like the different the different ways they used and filmed this film and kind of structured it. But that was really weird for a creative decision to be like, well, William Shank is now dead. Like, he's gone. Like, he's been skinned, he's dead, da-da-da. I think that if they'd have not made him a up and coming detective like as in he's just qualified and he's becoming he's coming to the precinct and you know he even says like when he's talking to Chris Rock you know how hard it was for me to get like assigned to your department to be assigned to your partner which is what I was talking about earlier when there's like these like weird like subtle like comment like these little nods of like yes we understand this is quite unbelievable at times um but if he had just been already there to start with like if he'd have been a cop that was already you know part of the precinct for a little while maybe like when when they're established they're already partners I think that it could have been pulled off that he was killed off screen and you were like, okay, fair enough. But the fact they did that, I was like, well, I was in the cinema just sat there like, it's going to be him that's the jigsaw killer. It's just, yeah, I, I don't know. Like as a creative point, it's my only criticism of this film. And I guess when it was, I wasn't too disgruntled because like the twist at the end, obviously, is not so much that he's the killer. It's also like what his dad's done, like what, what Zeke's Banks' dad's done over the course of his career by allowing these cops to go out 
and do what they want, you know, shoot who they want and this, that and the other and get away with it. And then this obviously comes back to haunt him at the end because he's the one that's then subsequently shot down because police are just abusing the power again. It still baffles me this film is 5.3 on IMDb because it is not no way that low of a film, especially when Jigsaw is a little bit higher than it. I don't really understand why, but I think this film is great. I think that it's, it's like I said, one of my favorite films of the year. It's a film I was really anticipated for. You know, I love the, the, the humor that's been sprinkled in there from Chris Rock. I love the traps. I think it's a very well film, a very well put together film. And also, like I already mentioned numerous times already, the social commentary on this is so important as well. But to be able to bring that into a Saw film for fans of, you know, this franchise that's got a huge fan base as it is, I think fair play to them because it's, uh, yeah, A, it's important and B, it's something new and something that, although we have seen a lot of like cops and such in the previous Saw films, we haven't seen it from like this perspective as much. And for me, this isn't more of a horror film than it is more of a thriller, like detective film. And I like it. I like it a lot. So I think I've covered it all anyways, but I want to talk about the film because I wanted to revisit it, go over like the traps, go over like, you know, the, 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 the twist in itself or rather the reveal of who the jigsaw killer was and, you know, why it got to where it did but you know yeah i think that it's just a very well put together new addition to the saw universe and i really want them to do spiral too i think this could open the doors for many many different like from the book of saws if you will we could get loads of jigsaw copycats and i am certainly not going to complain about that but this has been episode 24 of Joe Blogs About Films. Like I've already mentioned, there's a ton of films I'm looking forward to chatting about, but I really enjoyed revisiting this and going over it a bit more in detail because, like I said, the episode one that I did, I just kind of touched upon the film itself, reviewed it, and then you know put it in the list of where I would rank it in the Saw films out of the nine that we've had. Um, but yeah, if you've not seen it, well, I'm assuming you have, but again, just check it out, watch it, watch it again, have another watch either way. But I really appreciate you guys listening to this episode. Until next time, though, take care.